Hello, everyone. Uh, just a couple of quick notes before this episode starts. Um, there was a part in the episode I realized when I was uh, going back to listen through it while uh, editing. Uh, there was a portion where I made a joke and it didn't sound like I was joking. And it's important to me, at least, to clarify that I was joking. Um, there's a part of the episode where we're talking about uh, previously prohibited uh, uh, firearms, firearms in the 12 point X categories. Uh, basically 12.2 up to 12.6. Um, and people who are familiar with Canadian firearms law will know what those are. Uh, those guys, uh, the firearms that those guys have, which are like, uh, you know, AK, AKMs, AK-74s, AK-47s, uh, uh, G3s, FALs, and, uh, you know, uh, AR, bred AR-70s, FNCs, stuff like that. Uh, those guys uh have still all have their stuff even after it was prohibited and they are not required to turn it in uh after the deadline expires for the stuff that was banned under the May 20th ban so those firearms will still exist in private hands there's part of the episode where I I made a joke about if they uh if I couldn't uh, have my stuff why should they be allowed to have their stuff and it was I absolutely want to say it was a joke I was not uh not advocating for them to be relieved of their property. They shouldn't be. They should get to keep that stuff. And I hope they do get to keep that stuff. Um, as well, later in the episode, we were talking about uh, private ownership of machine guns in Canada. Uh, there's still, I think, a couple people who who, uh, who privately hold machine guns. And we were talking about uh, when it was no longer possible to shoot them uh, we basically got the dates wrong on that. We, we were talking about the 2006, 2007 timeframe. And I think that's actually when the, uh, the CFO, uh, uh, CFOs stopped issuing, uh, authorities to transport for the guys with those, uh, 12 point X, uh, firearms, not, not machine guns. Uh, it's been a lot longer that they've been since, uh, those guys have been able to shoot machine guns legally. Um, so those, those, those 12 point X, uh, uh, guns, became safe queens in that 2006, 2007 timeframe, uh, by bureaucratic, uh, decision basically. And, uh, the machine gun thing, I think was basically the same. It was a bureaucratic decision. It wasn't anything legislative, but the time frame was wrong. It actually happened much earlier. And even when they was legal to shoot them, I think that my understanding is only, uh, legal to shoot them, you know, like a couple times a year and like organized, heavily organized and controlled, uh, shoots, uh, at specific ranges. So, um, uh, just wanted to make those couple notes of correction, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you very much.
All right, welcome everyone to episode five, also known as Gun Control Part Two of Radio Free Artona. My name is Steve. I'm here with Patty and Trent. <laughs> who are evidently joined the Marine Corps in the interim. <laughs> First twenty first Wolfhound. Who? <laughs> That'd probably be Armin. I, I know. Actually, who always maybe it's who who has Rangers, isn't it? Anyway. Doesn't matter. Wiener used to always say that. I don't know what he got it from. I think it was. Now you get the old guys in the regiment. Murray's always doing that. Yeah, no, that was something they made up after after a trip to the States. Yeah, after every dismissal. Yeah. Dismiss. Two, three. One, two, three. LAR. Hoorah. Hoorah. Yeah. Yes. Still still done. Last, as of a year and a half ago, it was still done. There you go. But we digress. Yes. We do. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, so today, uh, today, uh, before we get started, I know Patty is uh, is uh, fluffing up his tinfoil hat to talk about third and fourth order effects of gun control. But before we do that, I'm, I'm gonna, glad you said that. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm very curious and, and not a little boys. scared as to where this conversation is going to go and yeah. what so my role is going to be in it. Be. Yeah, but before we do that, I actually want to backtrack a little bit because. Okay. Uh, two episodes ago, we were talking about good faith. And the reason we did that is because we don't think that the government, when it comes to gun control, is acting in good faith. And we were, last episode, we definitely came to straight to that perspective. But part of what we talked about in good faith was not assuming your intellectual opponent's bad faith. And mm, assuming that yeah. they were acting to... Part of acting in good faith is assuming that your opponent is also acting in good faith. Right. And we came immediately to the government is acting in bad faith, but we didn't articulate why we why come to we that conclusion. That. Okay. So, so why do we believe the government is acting in bad faith? Or why do I believe the government is acting in bad Are faith? Are you talking about all governments all the time? I'm all talking about ours, ours specifically. Our government. Specifically the Canadian federal government. Yes. Our I, government I, can make, I can make arguments for gun controllers... Within government in the United States as well. Yeah. But I'm going to deal with Canada. Yeah. And parts of it, I think, apply to other governments. For example, the government of New Zealand. Yes. But yes, I agree. Let's let's focus specifically on our local situation to illustrate the broader. And specific to this this topic of conversation. Yes. 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 Okay. For the record, point of order, I don't recall ever agreeing that our government is necessarily acting in good faith. Okay, well, I'm going to make that... Uh, to the agreeing that they're session. acting in good faith? or oh, sorry, in, acting in acting in bad faith. Sorry. Okay. I, I'm not saying they, they are or aren't. I'm just True, saying I don't but, remember But I, I do think that. That, that Steve and I did draw that conclusion without illustrating without really, why. Right. So well, we did discuss that clip of Trudeau speaking, and, and, and yes. it was kind of... And, yeah. and I did say that, um, that right from the get-go, those of us on the pro-gun side often feel we're being lied to right right out of the hack but we didn't elaborate okay beyond beyond that point so yeah i will stop interrupting now so um in the principle of of of, uh action speak louder than words and a couple of these points of review i did remember as i wrote them down i did remember we talked a little bit about them but i just wanted to delve a little bit into them so for the uh the may 20th ban which banned um, in the government's view, something like 1,500 different firearms. But if you do the actual math and make all the AR-15s one gun, it's like 400 firearms or 300 and yeah. some. Uh, the way they talk about that, 
I think is, is essentially dishonest because they use that inflated number as opposed to just lumping all the AR-15s together, which I think is more intellectually honest. Um, but the amnesty period for that ban. These guns are dangerous. The prime minister said they have no place in Canadian society. Uh, of the firearms I have that are affected by the ban, I've still got them all, as do most people, because mm-hmm. they're waiting. Right. So if the guns are so dangerous, why are we still have them? Why couldn't they be? Why weren't they removed yeah. from society? Yeah. Why? Why, why didn't they immediately start kicking down doors and beating people up, or or to, to confiscate or set firearms. a thirty, sixty, ninety day window to get this stuff turned yeah. in? Now it's illegal to have. After this point, you will go to jail if the guns are so dangerous. And in the in the period of of uh, as far well as far as I don't know what firearms were used in that robbery in Saanich a couple weeks ago. But the two twin brothers? The two twin brothers. Oh, yeah. Lots oh, of yeah. There was a oh, lot, yeah. There was yeah. a lot of lead flying. Yeah, I know there was lots. I don't know yeah. what they I don't know what they used. Oh, right. Because right. my, my point was my, was going yeah. to be that since the ban has been enacted, no firearms That's have been used in that crime in Canada. There was but, no coverage on that. But nobody's talked about what kind of guns they used. That is odd. Right. Oh, I'm pretty sure they do that. talk I read, about I read a couple of it. articles. Did you see anything on that? Just the, the types of firearms that were used? Or? Uh... Yes, but I can't remember what it was. There were at least handguns involved. Yeah, I think yeah, okay, but handguns weren't banned in May twentieth. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, like, did they use pump action shotguns or something? Or, I don't or did think they have, so. Did they have now mm. prohibited firearms that they used? I yeah. have, as far as I know, because as far as question. I know, since the ban's been enacted, none of those fire, firearms have been used in a crime. Yeah, I know. In Canada, and because mind we would you, hear about it if they were. Yeah, mind you, it's not like they were commonly used in crime before the ban. Well, the so. court. Well, they weren't, but that's yeah. that's one of the reasons we also think right. the government's acting in good faith, right. because the government talks about public safety, and then right. they ban firearms that are not commonly used in crimes. Right. Right. But they don't ban the firearms. Exactly. That are. That are. So, and my, that covers basically my uh, my first and second point. Mm-hmm. Uh, third point was the PM's dishonesty, which we mentioned in the previous episode about the effects of the handgun freeze on law-abiding firearms mm-hmm. owners. People who own restricted firearms and handguns in yep. Canada. Um, of course, it's going to, uh, the regulations basically freeze our collections in amber so we cannot buy or sell yep. any other firearms. Yep. And anybody who's too young to presently own a handgun cannot yep. purchase a handgun. And so basically, affects. all it does is disarm people who aren't committing crimes anyway. Yeah. And it doesn't take guns away because if the guns are so dangerous, shouldn't yep. they be removed? But they're not. I get to keep my guns. I still get to shoot the guns. Mm-hmm. I still get to shoot my handguns. Yeah. Because still take them to the range. Yeah. You can't. Just, I just can't transaction. sell them. Yeah. You can't sell them. So. So, and then uh, next point is essentially, and this touches on the last point, is the substance of the measures and actions won't affect the vast majority of the criminal use of firearms, which we know are firearms attained usually through smuggling from yeah. the United States. Or abroad. Yeah. Or, In the case of like a lot of pistols. Yeah. But. Uh, from the Pacific Rim. Yeah, and that, but they'll absolutely will not. <clears throat> so Patty and I sit here, and we're pretty well convinced that nothing is going to change vis-a-vis violent crime in this country. Um, yeah, certainly not. For like, uh, violent crime is in what causes the vast, overwhelming majority of firearm deaths. Yeah, which is um, crime. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna say lower level crime, everything from robberies to to uh, turf wars between organized crime factions, yes. this sort of thing. Yeah, that will not change even in the slightest. But no. then I will also say that gun control advocates simply do not care. 
There could be hundreds of deaths a year, thousands of deaths a year in that matter. And they don't care because that happens to poor people. That happens to grubby little peasants who live far away from their Tony, you know, gated communities and their lovely university campuses and their shiny downtown office towers. <laughs> so if the hoi polloi are dying in the streets, eh, whatever, they don't care. No, you mean not the hoi polloi. Hoi polloi are <clears throat> not the lower, lower levels. When you say, you mean the plebs. The plebs, thank you. You're right. Yes, the plebs. The, the peasantry, the, the, the serfs. Who cares if they die? So, my next point is uh, certainly the, the firearms control advocates always, you always hear the liberals when they compare statistics, they always compare to 2013. Mm-hmm. Now, 2013, I've got a, uh, a chart pulled up here on the screen um, from StatsCan mm-hmm. uh, going from uh, starting, I think, in 2008 because 2009 is in the middle, going yeah. up to yeah. uh, basically the beginning of 2017. And uh, <clears throat> it compares violent crime and firearm-related violent crime per 100,000 population. And you can right. see that 2013 was the lowest year. Yeah, 2013 the low is, the, is the dark blue line there. Yeah. And, or firearms crime is the dark blue line. Yeah. And regular mm-hmm. violent crime is the... Uh, Light blue line. Yeah. And so you can see that 2013 was the lowest point in the chart. And actually... Yeah. and. We could say from the extremities of the chart that aren't covered here, because this chart only goes basically to 2017, that you know there's a de- decreasing trend starting before 2013 going down. Yeah. Bottoms up 2013 starts to go back up. And uh, I think, and you see it kind of level out. Kind of levels out in, in 2015 and 16. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have the new, newer, more current numbers to compare mm-hmm. to. I think this page is, hasn't been updated since 2018. Yeah. According to. Um, but yeah, 2013 was the low point right. for firearms crime in the country. And it's an outlier year. Sure. Right? Comparing to the year before, the year yeah. after is a much yeah, more compared relevant comparison. to everywhere else. Yeah. yeah. Every other year. Yeah. So I think that is a fundamentally dishonest thing. Of course. So you can go 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, but we always go to 2013. Yeah. Of course. Old, just like the uh, Australian gun control advocates always love to say, oh, well, look at the amount of gun crime after they banned firearms. Right. Instead of saying, well, look at gun crime through the entire 20th century, mm-hmm. where it's clear that their, le- their legislation is completely ineffectual. It hasn't made a single blip. Gun crime was so low in Australia in the first place yeah. that that legislation makes no difference. But it's intentionally intended to deceive by starting at a certain point. But any good statistician will do this. Yeah, but there I disagree with you, right? And this comes back to the bad faith, good faith concept, right? Mm -hmm. Just because someone presents something a certain way doesn't mean they're intentionally acting in poor faith or intending to misrepresent it, right? They might have blinders on. If it um, walks like you know, a duck, if all they see is sounds like a duck. This is what it, it means looks to them. Like a duck. That's why you have conversations. That, but, that's why you have a conversation where someone points out, "Hey, but you know, I'm, I'm not saying they are acting in good faith, but I'm not saying they're necessarily acting in poor faith." If either. if it was if these sort of things, if these kind of statistical manipulations were few and far between. 
I would definitely be be willing to entertain that notion. Oh, but that happens but all the time. You're right. Over and <clears throat> in fact, we never not see it. Right, but you know, okay. Like when that's the only way the numbers are ever presented. Okay, but now, okay. So here's, here's my question. Come on. Do we have any stats on how many times stats are quoted in an argument versus when they're not quoted in an argument? Right. I mean, it's you know because I'm sure that happens a lot, and anyone mm. using stats is going to maybe in poor faith, maybe not uh, present them a certain way. Well, right? they that? can be they just because they can be manipulated doesn't mean they're always being. Wasn't manipulated. that that uh, Deepak Chopra said that? Uh, You're quoting stats- Deepak Chopra. Uh, yes, uh, I think he said some one time. I think it was him that statistics are like a bathing suit. What they reveal isn't nearly as interesting as what they conceal. And it's almost in our culture now. We are almost at the point where it doesn't matter what we're talking about. I could be talking about like egg production in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. If I quote you statistics. Mm-hmm. at least 20% of my audience is going to be skeptical because they think, all right, the only time you ever quote statistics is if you're trying to deceive. I mean, we have collectively seen so much manipulation of statistics. At the same time. Over the last 50 years. At the same time. It's, it's be- almost universal. We've become a society that's used to like three second sound bites. We mm-hmm. don't have a tension span that's geared for anything more than that. Not yet. Right? So, yeah. so you need that. And so, yes... Mm. In a lot of ways, I think, speaking to poor faith, I mean, it's become poor faith almost in its own right just to, whether it's marketing to people or broadcasting to people, it's it's like you have to work within that. The limitations of the medium? You know, that, that yeah, the, well, just that, not just the medium, but the the attention span it's mm. aiming towards, right? You know, you, you got to be able to, you got to be able to grasp it. So you need, you, I you will, need not I just will, a statistic. You need one that stands. Out, I will right? offer you the olive branch to say that it, what you are saying is possible. I'm not going to subscribe to it, but I will say, I will acknowledge that. Yes. What you're saying is possible. Oh, I appreciate it. And, and likewise, it's, it's impossible to prove a negative, but I find it hard to believe that, Hundred percent of the time that anyone pulls out statistics, they're doing it in perfect. They're doing it in poor faith, unless their name is Justin Trudeau and they work for the Federal Liberal Party. But I digress. My uh, my last point. Oh yeah, After Steve. Steve. Hey, yeah, yeah. that guy. Remember me? Yeah, the guy, the guy over here behind the behind the screen. Um, so my last my last uh, point. Uh, back in, uh, this is a little technical, but that's why we're talking about Canadian gun control specifically here. Uh, back in 1992, in mm-hmm. response to the Ecole Polytechnic uh, shooting, uh, the Conservative Party, thanks, mm-hmm. uh, drafted a, a, a legislation known as Bill C-17 in mm-hmm. response. And in that bill, they created a number of prohibited categories. Now, in Canada, uh, just because... Uh, a firearm is prohibited doesn't mean you can't own it. It just means you had to have it, had to have it before it became right. prohibited. Right. So there's a bunch of guys who have uh, firearms similar to what are uh, were banned in the May 20 ban. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have uh, specifically firearms like uh, FNFALs. FN, yep. Yes. Exactly. H, which which actually FALs were prohibited in 1978, mm-hmm. but uh, no. I think in or earlier. Earlier, no. or not earlier. Uh, they were not prohibited in C-17. They were prohibited before. 
Because I remember guys bringing their own C1s to exercise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, maybe it was. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, uh, <coughs> FALs, G3s, uh, mm-hmm. AKs of all their mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, they've been banned for a long time. Yeah. But these guys, hip. but these guys never had to turn their turn them in. They were just mm. couldn't sell them. It was similar yeah. similar to the hanging freeze. These guys still have theirs. Mm-hmm. And when the amnesty for the May twentieth ban runs out, and we have to turn in AR fifteens and all the stuff mm-hmm. named in that one, they still don't have to turn in their AKs or their G threes. Yeah, the they're FAOs. still still safe. They're still allowed still. to have them. Yeah, right. That so is odd. Those guys are <laughs> older. They're miling out, but yeah. but and those guys. Those guns can be transferred between owners with the status. Right. Yes, I heard that. It's yeah. different. So if you have the primitive status, you can buy someone else's AK. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's my argument there, or I would point out, it's not even really an argument. I just raise the point that you can't fault this government for the inadequacies, inadequacies comparatively, quote unquote. Of previous. Of the previous government. Why not? Likewise, you can't. You can't fault that government for failing to achieve what this one is, right? Shouldn't they be... But if they're going to, uh, you know, if they're going to make gun control a priority, shouldn't they be trying to collect, correct glaring mistakes in previous legislation? Possibly, it, it, but... It I mean, is, you know, <clears throat> their job. The yeah. previous government... Yeah. The, the government that allowed this to happen obviously writ, wrote in that grandfathering in a certain way, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... This government's coming in, they're saying, okay, we're not going to make that mistake again, right? Because now they're doing it to stuff that is currently not prohibited. Not, not prohibited, right? yeah. Now, you start going after those, those other... Previously prohibited stuff. Right. That you're speaking of, the mm-hmm. FNs, AKs. Uh, the AKs, all that stuff that was grandfathered for those particular gun owners. That's a completely different ball of wax. It's a completely different legal battle. Right? Is it? I, I get the I get what you're talking about because because the legal battle was actually fought back in the 1990s because there was one category they seized that included um, uh, the the most famous firearm was the Spaz 12 shotgun which was prohibited mm, the alley sweeper yeah yeah but it uh, and there was a couple I want to say Uzis but I, no, I don't think Uzis because I know a guy who's got one mm-hmm. uh, but Angles. there was there was a Spaz 12 shotgun and a couple other firearms that were in there and I can't specifically remember the what they were they seized those guns mm-hmm. but they didn't seize and there was a court battle over it and the supreme court at the time decided well the government has to the court has has demonstrated that uh uh it's how it's in the interest of peace order and governments for them to seize these guns without mm-hmm. compensation they, and they did seize them without yeah. compensation they just took them and uh the supreme court said it was okay so the supreme court at that point uh you know basically overturn any semblance of property rights in this country because the government can seize if they can make an argument. That's right, they can. Right, but so to me, my point still, I think I appreciate the logic you're saying, right? And it's easy to go after the current government and say, well, why aren't you doing something about those guys? And for, I, I can't imagine those guys would be very happy with you suggesting this, by the way. You're not making any friends. But as a point of no, logic... No, but if I can't have my shit, why should they have their shit? <laughs> fair enough. But... No, that's a that's a that's a negative attitude to have. It's not what I mean. I'm just but I'm no, trying I get to it. make you're, the you're, point. You're making a perfectly logical point. But all I'm saying is this is like um, you know every time you hear the U.S. where someone pushes a bill through, and then someone says, "Well, let, let's tack on this amendment," right? And the amendment kills it. Yeah. Right. This I see that. Well, I mean, I we, see that played out we, the same way. We legally. can talk about that in the context of gun control as well, because there's a famous Americans will be will be very. Uh, 
uh, aware of this, there's a an there's a bill passed under the Reagan administration in 1986 called the Firearms Owners Protection Act, which was designed to originally was designed to uh, uh, like enshrine more specifically enshrine some firearms rights. I can't remember the specifics of it. But what happened is that bill got amended with something called the Hughes Amendment. The Hughes Amendment banned the production, because up to this point in the United States, domestically produced machine guns were legal for anyone mm-hmm. who lived in a National Firearms Permissive State, National Firearms Act Permissive State, mm-hmm. were legal for anyone to own. And they could be, new manufactured machine guns could be made up to that point. The Hughes Amendment banned and essentially capped the number of legal machine guns available for ownership in the United States. Right. And so what that did is that vastly inflated the prices of machine guns in the United States. A lot of people say, think that machine guns are not legal in the, in the, in the United States. A lot of people think machine guns are legal everywhere. It's not. Machine guns are legal in a number of states except where they're specifically banned. They're very highly regulated. And the pool of legally obtainable machine guns for normal people who don't have special firearms licenses, who are just regular people who want to collect these guns, is was limited in 1986. So consequently, if you want an M60 machine gun, which was produced from the 1960s all the way until a few years ago, um, and they actually there might still be current production M60s, um, you know, that's like a quarter million bucks now, mm-hmm. right? M16s are thirty to $40,000, I think. My, my number might be low. The cheapest thing is probably a Stemple gun, which is a, a basically a, a tube-type a, a tube uh, uh, submachine gun uh, similar to a Sten or MP38 or MP40 um, because that guy saw it coming and he made a whole bunch of tubes and and registered them prior to the, the Hughes Amendment coming in. And so not all of those tubes have been sold. But they're they're legally considered machine guns, even though they're just tubes, and they can make them in basically any format you want. Right. Um, so I don't know where I was going with that, but just just how to, to your point, how a thing can be amended and killed into. So it was an act that was designed to enshrine rights of, of, of firearms owners, and they put an amendment in at the end. Of, well, that's why I'm saying, if if I'm the Canadian government now, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's it's accurate to criticize them on this specific point. Right, but can I criticize them in the aggregate of the five points I've talked about? I think it's relevant. I think you could criticize them definitely. The, this one point, <clears throat> no, absolutely. By by it, by itself, you could say, <clears throat> okay, well, they didn't, you know, they didn't. Learn. But but one, they're they're the legislators, so they should be familiar with legislation. Well, again, yeah. If you if you talk about the ideal, what they should ideally be aiming for, right? Is you're right. Should be including this this. Uh, this failure of logic yeah. that you're discussing, right? Um, but from a practical legal perspective, I would suggest that it's probably much simpler to just go with the ones that are currently not prohibited and prohibit them. And you don't in any way want to tie it to a bunch of <clears throat> uh, firearms that are owned by people that were grandfathered in previous legislation. That's just complicating things. You don't want to do that. If you do that, you do that as a separate bill. That's <clears throat> that would be my that that would be my ticket. Now, the 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 less good faith uh, aspect of this is that uh, it, it's irrelevant to the current conversation. 
Right? Nobody cares about these people who own these grandfathered weapons. They're not the news right now. AR-15s are the news. something to be said for that. <clears throat> Maybe the government has already achieved what it wants as far as those people and those firearms are concerned. I'll let that, uh, I'll let that marinate for a little bit. Hmm. Perhaps, but it's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to sit with that for a bit. Maybe they've we- already got what they wanted. Anyways, your points are well taken. Yeah. So, I, I would say that, yeah, taken by itself, sure, it's not, it's, it's not necessarily a, a definitive indicator of bad faith. My argument is that taken in aggregate with my other points, that, well, it, there's the, no, that those, those points collectively add up to bad you faith. Can, you can easily take that one, set it aside. And I, I have admitted a, a bit of an element of poor faith, just not the same as yours to mm-hmm. it uh, but you could take that one aside and yeah there's there's enough good faith to go around or enough poor faith to go around right so i guess that's basically what uh what i was trying to get at and trying to art how uh, i was feeling to articulate our view that the government is acting in bad faith so with that we can move on to third and fourth order effects well let me <clears throat> let me ask you guys kind of a question when we ban something it's usually because society has made a consensus that this is not a good idea for anyone to own. Things like, right off the top of my head, sarin gas, crystal meth, kitty porn. These are things where we all decide that, you know what, people should not have them. Most importantly, the government isn't allowed to have them either. We don't allow members of parliament to keep a stash of, of nerve gas for professional development, you know, which they can dabble in on the weekends. We don't allow police <clears throat> departments to have crystal meth. We don't allow branches of the government to have a kiddie porn. So when we talk about banning firearms because we think they're a bad idea, because, you know, we think, you know, these aren't good things for people to have, we're not banning them we're simply saying that private individuals may not have them the state is still allowed to have them are there other things that fit into that category uh well variations on the same theme uh jet fighters um, no you could have a jet fighter it's just that they cost 35 million dollars a crack so nobody can really afford one. Well, I'm pretty sure I can't uh, have pintle-mounted uh, rockets on uh, any jet aircraft that I can afford. Uh, Not in Canada, afford. but yeah, in the United States. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, again, the, the point is kind of moot because, again, who can afford one? Yeah, Conrad, you know, if Conrad you were, Black, how rich is he these days? Yeah, even, even then, like what? It's, it's, it's kind of a... Even if it was legal, yeah, it's kind of a moot point. It's not really germane. Because again, well, like, it is why now you're you... bringing out the left. If Conrad Black can have a fighter what? plane with rockets mounted underneath it, then like, everyone should be able to. I think there. I'm pretty it, sure there are aviation museums that have maybe a couple of like old first generation fighter aircraft, like maybe an F-86 or something like that. Or maybe maybe there might be one somewhere that has like a flying condition CF-100 because I think those mounted rockets uh, mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. But it would not be 
anything approaching in the interests of that museum to actually have live rockets because think of the sums that would be involved right. to no no good yeah. purpose yeah no uh, pri- pri- privately yeah. owned uh, one a popular a popular former military plane uh, is uh, the a4 skyhawk right that's there's a lot of private a4 skyhawks in private hands because it had, oh, wow. had a very long had a it, it had a fairly long service life in U.S. Mm. service, but even after it was disposed of U.S. service, yeah. it was uh, <clears throat> then when uh, a bunch of third world yeah, countries. Yeah. It was a very popular. The Argentinians had them. Famously, yeah. they lost a couple in the Falklands War, but uh, mm-hmm. um, I want to say, I think Roger... No, Bob Lutz. Bob Lutz, mm-hmm. I think, who used to be CEO of General Motors, had an A4 Skyhawk. Really? Uh, for example. Yeah. But wow. was it art? No, because he didn't want to pay the NFA tax on the, on the 20 millimeter cannons, but he could have. In yeah. the United States, he could have if he wanted yeah. to. So right? well, if it was based on I, the I right believe state. we're, get, we're yeah. getting back to the original but, question. But yeah, but, but even Patty's in Canada, asking in Canada yeah. right? Is there anything that we ban for the private citizen, but we allow for the state? Aside from practically, in aside practical, from firearms. Yeah. I know. Actually, getting back to your point, and I might just be a, a bit of a dick here and being devil's advocate. But when it comes to sarin gas, um, I'm not sure where Canada stands on the use of nerve gas offensively or defensively mm-hmm. and what its status is within the Geneva Convention and whatever other agreements we might be part of. I do remember our instructors on BASIC in the late 90s talking about them going down to Suffield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I pretty, there was a research established in yeah. Suffield yeah, establishing the effect of chemical and, and biological weapons. Yes, our, our, is, yeah. our section commander has said he has never been more scared in his life because <laughs> they were wearing an NBC kit and they walked through a field and there were dead birds everywhere. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they had that gas released around them. So I do believe we do allow our federal government, or it allows itself, to own that specific nature of product. Well, and, there, and there's for like. Or specifically the process. The, 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 there's, al- there's also like the medical, medical research establishments that, that maintain. Uh, very deadly viruses, right? For mm-hmm. research yeah. purposes. I mean, that's how we got into the current mess. Yep. Right? Oh, really? No, we're not going there. <laughs> um, not today, okay. folks. So technically, technically, that would be one example. It's it's a thin one, but it is an example that we might use to illuminate yeah. this discussion. That, that's <clears throat> no, and, and yep. I agree. It, it may not. I, I was unsure whether to even bring it up. But. Yeah, it's a bit of a reach, but, um, uh, you know, it's it's still something to think about, right? Um, I guess it depends because we're only looking at, we're not taking a whole class of item out of the mix and saying, you know, private citizens can't have them. We're just saying certain items within that firearms class mm-hmm. now only the government can have. And that's... I, I don't necessarily think that's unreasonable. Um, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, um, you know, I, I don't see a need for anyone to own a 50 cal. I mean, I'm sure it would be fun to own a 50 cal. Well, as a museum, you can. Right. Well, I mean, okay. Yeah. I'm going to allow yeah. <clears throat> that there should be exceptions for yeah. archival purposes. Right, but we're talking I'm, hands on. Like nothing was like what was amazing was going actually being allowed mm-hmm. down into the LER museum. Yeah, in the yeah. basement to see their collection down there. It is quite and see everything: yeah. Sten mm-hmm. guns, Bren guns, uh, yeah. Vietnam vintage M16s, MG42. I think there's a third. Yeah, can't remember if there's a thirty-four. There's a Vickers, I think. Yeah, there's a bunch of yeah, stuff the, the Vickers. Yep, right. I Lewis mean, Lewis guns. They got a Russian Maxim gun. They got a whole bunch of neat stuff. Yeah, 
But again, if we're looking for guidance in, in the formation of public policy here, we're, we're kind of on virgin ground, aren't we? Mm-hmm. That there may be other things, but they're not stuff that come to mind for us right now. Stuff that is within reach of the average person to purchase, mm. but we prohibit for the average person, yet reserve for the power of government. I can yeah, I mean, nothing really leaps to mind. Well, and, and I'd say, yeah, firearms, yeah. and in this case, it is weaponry yeah. uh, for, for the purposes of government, government ownership. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's kind of where the argument lays, right? So that um, the state and that can protect the monopoly of violence. That's generally how it's been looked at. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's the term. You know, right. that's the term I, I, I remember from, you know, my studies on the subject was right. the monopoly of violence. Yeah. That this is a major step forward in the rule of law. Yeah. That, uh, you know, goes with the idea of the evolution of a judicial system and a police force. If you are wronged, you don't just grab your sword and, and go over there and, and exact your revenge. Mm-hmm. If you are wronged, you pursue this through the judicial system and the legal authorities. Okay. And they, now if it is, if violence is required, then it is done through the mechanisms of the state. It is not you who goes and exact revenge. It is the sheriff who then, if need be, violently apprehends the individual and they have their day in court. Depending on which level of state we're talking about. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I'm trying not to bog this down because I know you're going places with this. But I just thought that, okay, that that's something we need to think about. That we're not talking about banning something because the state's still allowed to have it the government is still allowed to have it are you splitting hairs here on this no i am not i think this is an important thing we are banning it at a certain level the rulers are saying we are allowed to have it you are not that is important to me that is very important to me but aren't we just talking about the distinction that we have at many different levels in many different ways regarding just responsible use of X, Y, or Z. Um, so we're talking about motor vehicle license. Mm-hmm. We're or talking say, about, or I was thinking about this too. Uh, explosives. Right. Explosives are licensed. Yes. Controlled. Yes. Very much concerned with responsible use. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. For good reason. Yeah. Right? For and great reason. And you know you can devolve that down, but they're back not banned. To vehicles, you can. They're not banned. You know, class one vehicle, class three vehicle, class four vehicle. Yep. Class At what point f- should I point out that I have some explosives in the basement? Tannerite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. <clears throat> not, not to mind the. I'm also yeah. a reloader, so I also yeah have gun, yeah gunpowder. Yeah. Use gunpowder as well. But, but but so when I do discuss this with with people who are gun control advocates and it's, it's not very often because i find they don't like to discuss it if my sister is listening to this yes i'm talking about you sis um <laughs> but she, she knows you by your real name <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right yeah um uh, but beyond that uh seriously one of the first things i hear is nobody needs a gun and I'm deliberately stressing the verb in there with that condescending smarmy tone needs okay 
So building from the last question, what else in our society do we base your ability to purchase on need? Where you must convince a government bureaucrat that you need to have this. Pharmaceuticals. Go on. Like what? Like prescription pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Right? I don't have to convince a government bureaucrat. I must convince a doctor. Okay. Un- but, but mind you, you could make the argument those are the same thing. The government is in, yeah, in our system. Make the doctor is, but you have to convince somebody. Yeah, you got to convince somebody. Yeah. Right. Whether it's. And yeah. it is within a system, right? It's yeah. A, it's a defined system of regulation. Yeah. Would you consider it the same thing? No, because it's shall issue. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. So it's, it's related. But only to a certain point. Only to a certain point. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a good metaphor and analogy. But yeah, it's not, it's but, not. but it, it has its limits. Anything else? Is there anything else you can think of where my ability to own it in whole or in part? Because again, with like pharmaceuticals, a lot of pharmaceuticals are over the, sh- over the counter. Yeah. We can't really talk about over the counter firearms. Nope. Is there anything else? Well, I'd say philosophically, I would extend it to not just items. Or objects, but mm-hmm. activities. Services? Activities. Okay. Uh, skydiving. Right? You don't no need one, license to skydive. You yeah. Just, I, don't you need, I don't need to con- no, get a permit to skydive. You probably need... This, I'm, I'm betting the industry is regulated somehow, right? But I think I'm, the I'm industry actually, is self-regulated. Yeah. But I'm actually... So that's why I'm extending yeah. the conversation. So I'll, yeah. I'll extend it even further. Yeah. Because um, I'm, I'm getting to the root of, of the question, which is need. Mm. Someone yeah. else defining someone's yeah. need. Yeah. Right? Yep. Um, who needs to jump out of an airplane for yep. thrills? Who needs to climb rock faces? Yep. Um, but again, I, I'm not required to demonstrate that in order to go rock climbing or skydiving. Right. But I, I, I think that's... And I don't s- need to convince somebody... That's still at the root of that the I question. should I think, be allowed you know, to own a parachute. It's because I think conceptually that's what we're discussing. It's this... Our society, which is in charge of electing our officials and and kind Mm -hmm. of driving the public opinion within which they're probably operating to some extent, Mm -hmm. are going to be, are are making these judgment calls all the time, right? They they are judging every situation. And and Mm -hmm. I'm going to put forward that it doesn't matter whether there's something in place regarding skydiving at the moment. Not to my point. Anyways, Mm -hmm. my point is you've got people going uh, who needs to do these things. Right, and I agree with you. And we had the, we discussed this last time, right? I think it is um, for me. It's a non-starter for someone to come in and say, "Well, who needs to own a gun?" Right? Um, because just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's right. it's not relevant. Doesn't mean it's not understandable. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's not understandable. <laughs> so again, if you if you're completely blind to the concept, then uh, you know that's bad yeah. faith. It's not like intentional bad faith, but it's still bad faith. Something right? I used to do whenever I, I heard someone say that is, well, you don't need a gun. I used to yeah. say, well, what qualifies you to make that statement? I mean, we're talking over, like, what, a million people in Canada who, who have uh, gun licenses? Two and a half. Yeah, so two and a half million people. Mm-hmm. What qualifies this individual sitting across the table from me at the Tim Hortons for making a snap judgment for two and a half million people. What knowledge, what, what well, credentials because, because, does that guy have? <clears throat> Presumably this person's going to be from the city, 
doesn't live in a rural setting probably, in which, in which uh, having yep. a, a firearm would apply yep. as being useful at all. Yep. I, I think part of it is is uh, some of our modern lexicon kind of kind of elite or I don't know the word I'm looking for now kind of kind of warps our mm-hmm. perception of the issues, right? I have no offense to police officers and ambulances or you know paramedics, firefighters, yep. and all that. Yep. The term first responders is wrong. They're second responders. Yeah, it's true. Right? I guess the first responder that, yeah. is A, the person that happened to. The second responder is actually probably the person who called them. We may not be the mm. same person as the person who happened to. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So they're second or third responders. Right? Mm. So, like, I mean, I have a different view of what's moral and what's not. But mm. from my point of view is uh, we have a, in North America as a whole, we have, mm. a, we're not able to talk about the social utility of violence. I have a hypothesis about we don't why I like do that's for sure. I have a hypothesis about why we don't, you know, why the old argument about why will you let your kids watch an action movie but you won't let them watch porn? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, there's no social utility to you. like watching these things will to some degree inure you to it, right? Right. Like so, I mean, there's there's In both lots cases. there's lots of work yeah. out yeah. there showing how when people watch a lot of porn, especially men, yeah. yeah. It inures them to yeah, conventional exactly. yep. sexual yep. Uh, expression, right? Yep. So, so suddenly, you know, there's 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 porn induced uh, erectile dysfunction sure. stuff like that, right? Because you're inured to it. Watching violent movies probably inures you to it, but you let your kids do it because, to some degree, there's a utility, a social, greater social utility for you being slightly inured to violence and thereby being able to think when it happens to you. Or happens to someone else. Can, happens you elab- in Can you elaborate on this point? Because I'm curious now. You got my attention. So you watch like like so so military training, right? Is mm-hmm. is uh, operant conditioning, right? Not yep. classical conditioning. It's yep. operant conditioning, right? So it's designed specifically to inure you to violence so we can mm-hmm. operate. So, so we three as infantrymen went through yep. a whole lot of stuff designed to simulate combat so that if we actually ended up in combat, we would be able to function as infantry soldiers at a high level right? while okay. the world was going to shit around us. That was the whole point of okay. basic infantry training. My argument, my hypothesis is that, you know, violent movies do that to a degree. Okay. And so... I, I came up on this because, like, you know, Jordan Peterson's uh, point about, like, you know, societies do things for reasons we don't always understand. Right, right. Not as, but there's almost but always there, a reason. There's almost it. always a reason. We just haven't yeah. explored why it is. Yeah, yeah. So why you would let your kid watch an action movie, mm-hmm. but you won't let your kid watch porn. Right. Right. It's because of the lack of social utility in porn. Yeah. But there's a social utility inherent in the action movie. Yeah. And we don't necessarily understand that. I I always thought it was it was kind of like uh, because the action movie taught certain lessons that we wanted to reinforce. For well, example, the triumph of the good guy. Yeah. Good over evil. Um, there's that too. Yeah. yeah but, but when you, when, just, when you just, just, just like that. comedians are always good. Like Carlin, Carlin had a whole bit about this watching yeah. kids watching porn versus kids watching action movies. Right. Yeah. And it was part of, I think his baseball football mm-hmm. bit too. Right. Like how baseball was pastoral football was violent and yeah. Yeah. And stuff like that. But so I came onto this thing and I'm like, well, there's, there has, there's a social utility to violence because if there wasn't, we wouldn't give cop one. We probably wouldn't have cops Two, We wouldn't give cops guns. 
right? Or mm-hmm. even in the UK where they don't mm-hmm. necessarily give all cops guns, but they give them mechanisms. Yeah, they have some. Right? Yeah. They did billy clubs, yeah. pepper spray, tasers, all that yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. You know, Violence is violent. Violence yeah. is violence, right? So there's a social, there's times when you have to act violently because, you know, because somebody else brings mm-hmm. the violence, right? Like, so, like, my point is that with cops being second or third responders, mm-hmm. that a, comp, a country or a society that arms its police who are responders, but prohibits its citizens from, from, from exercising the same rights. Because mm-hmm. anything that happens, my, my thing is, anything that happens to a cop is going to happen to a private citizen. The cops face it on an occupational level. Right. right. So like occupational health and safety, right? So if you're using paint thinner once in a while to thin out some paint and paint your fence or something like that, Maybe you don't need to wear a respirator, but if you're a professional painter and you're using paint thinner every day, yeah. you need to wear a respirator because yeah. otherwise you'll get cancer. Yeah. Okay. So cops face violence and criminality on an occupational level where the average citizen generally does not. Generally does not. The average citizen, but some a citizen yeah. is going to face it every day. Yeah. <clears throat> So that there is a social so, utility so there's, in inuring oneself to... To violent... Yeah, to violent. it allows you, right. allow okay. you to re- yeah, react. Or survive. even if they don't face it every day, they face mm-hmm. it sometimes. No, yeah. but a citizen... so A citizen, somebody somewhere. Somebody somewhere yeah. is going to face a violent crime every day. Yeah. Right? Some, okay, not so, that same citizen. Not the same citizen, citizen, but somebody. Okay. Yeah. So gotcha, you, gotcha. you one gotcha. day, Patty, a year down the road, me three years down the road, whatever. And but and in between that, somebody else... Uh, okay. Right. Sorry, okay. I misunderstood. Right. Hey. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, on on this point of social utility, what happens? What do you think would happen if we would wander off into uh, oh, just anywhere down on you know Old Strathcona and say to someone, "You don't need an abortion." Oh, How do you think yeah, that would no, go? No, that's no. Don't even go there. Why not? Don't even go there. Why not? Social utility, right? If we can say you don't need a firearm, therefore you're not allowed brother, to have one. Brother, do not go there right now. This is not, because this is taking this conversation way off track. That is no. Okay, let's not explore it. But at least tell me what do you think the reaction would be? Oh, it would be out no hostility. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, like it would be unacceptable. It would be, like, it would be a great big riot. Like, You'd be like, a who the hell do you think you are? Pierce right. Sixer, Donnie Brook. Yeah, exactly. Actually, exactly. So, is it safe for me to say that this whole approach that a we can't find a parallel for it, where you have to convince somebody else that you you must convince the state that you need it before you're allowed to buy it. We can't find a parallel for that. And then when we do create parallels with other contentious issues, it is fraught with problems. So can we at least say that this whole approach upon which gun control is largely premised is dangerous and is problematic and requires extreme caution at the very least? Like I'm using very conservative language. Well, I would say... Extreme caution across the board is definitely in order, right? Just having the discussion, right? The conversation up until Steve brought up his latest Mm. point. And Steve's latest point itself, to me, reinforced that what we are really talking about across the board Mm -hmm. 
is responsible use mm-hmm. of firearms. That's what it comes down to across the board. It's and, and and where do we define what can be responsibly used reasonably, right? Um, so we're saying oh, in Canada, machine guns, no, right? Fully automatic, no. More than five rounds uh, in a magazine, They're not. Actually, machine guns are legal in Canada for they were prohibited in 1978, but again, everybody was grandfathered. So there's private machine guns are allowed to have them in the state. Okay, but prohibited prohibited firearms aren't allowed to be fired. Is that not correct? That is a relatively new thing. That's true, but it's relatively new, and that's since about 2007. And it wasn't any act of parliament. It was just the legislative interpretation or judicial interpretation. the, the, The chief firearms officers stopped. Uh, issuing authorities to transport mm. to the range, but for it was just—it was basically a bureaucratic move. It was not any. Right. Okay. So, so up to that point, when they the chief firearms officers collectively decided to stop issuing authorizations, authorizations. So it's to not those. even judicial. Not only is it not legislative, no, it's, purely it's bureaucratic. not even judicial. It's purely an executive function. Yep. No bureaucratic function, not executive. Well, the bureaucracy yeah. is part of the executive. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, but my point is this: that. Everything we talk about always comes back to the same thing for me. It's where we are choosing to define uh, what is who is responsibly trusted to use item X for, versus item mm-hmm. Y versus you know mm-hmm. and, and right and we don't need to go outside of the category right broadly conserved firearms. Um, you know, because we, we can break that down enough to, to have enough discussion generated there, right? So there's what the government's allowed to have because they are, let's say, in an ideal world, uh, responsible enough to wield certain items that the individual responsible... Uh, can the I individual say citizen something really provocative in that? Sure. So in other words, to borrow Bastiat, they are made of finer clay than the rest of us? No, I mean, that's, uh, you know, again, we risk going on a tangent into, as and we've discussed this before, you know, what is the role of government? Right. You know, what, you know, what should the extent I, of I'll government I'll leave it be? at this. We're, f- we're, we're definitely treading upon the idea of equality before the law. That the rules no longer apply to the rulers whether the rules no longer apply to those who enforce the rules. I think at the same time... Or on dangerous time, ground. At the same time, what we're discussing is a fundamentally democratic concept. Um, and, you know, over, overwhelming public opinion, right? And, and that's where good faith, bad faith really comes what in. What do you because mean it, overwhelming it's, public opinion? If the majority of Canadians... Mm-hmm are willing to allow gun control in whatever form to occur. Yeah. Right? That's democracy at work. Right? And that's why I say that the, but, the, the but good faith, bad faith is, is, is really important at this mm-hmm. point because mm-hmm. we really need to be able to have a proper discussion about this. And, right. I, and I do believe that is not occurring. Mm. Right? And not just because the government is operating in, in poor faith yeah. or an absence of good faith, but because... I'm going to say both ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. are incapable because we we've, we had this in the in the good faith bad faith discussion, mm-hmm. 
nobody's capable of having a good faith conversation anymore, except for the three people around this table and maybe or, yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah. Handful, a handful, a handful of, of people folks, listening yeah. to us, yeah. right? Most, most of the people in the political arena are, are well beyond good faith, bad faith. You were going to say something. Yeah, the train of thought derailed. Sorry. Oh, sorry, bro. <laughs> okay, well, the, and the other. But, but I want I want to go back to just I never got to finish my point about okay um, where I was going with the social utility of violence mm-hmm. and <clears throat> so the police the police face violence on an occupational level yeah yeah so I'm not trying to disarm cops yeah right you know they should have their handguns they should have their tasers sure. they should yeah. have their AR-15s yeah but. Like we said, violent crime will happen to someone every day. That's some right. private citizen every day. Yep. We don't know who that private citizen is going to be That's tomorrow right. or today or yesterday. So a to me to me a society that says, okay, well this guy who is the the cop, the agent of the state may defend himself, himself but the citizen, the citizen may, not. may not. Exactly. That <clears throat> it loses to me that that's an that's, immoral argument. Yes. And and that's that's me perspective. It is a violation of equality before the law. Yeah, we're creating a different tier of citizen. Yes. Uh, again, not Absolutely. to get sidetracked. But well, and we can and we can look at that in in what happens to cops versus what happens to sit firearms law yeah. legal firearms owners when when there's an unsafe storage regulation right. is is breached or something like that. So there's it, there's been times like yes. uh, it's happened here in Edmonton. It's happened in Calgary. Um, officers haven't uh, taken their firearms home. They went out to socialize yeah. after their duty yeah. shift, and the firearms are stolen out of their vehicles. Yeah, happens routinely. Happens if that happens to a private citizen, that private citizen is going to jail. Yeah. If it happens to a cop, they and at they worst on, they get it, fired, it, yeah. but very rarely there's a criminal property prosecution. leave. Yeah, but very there's yeah. almost. <clears throat> I don't think I've ever heard of a criminal prosecution coming yeah. from it. Yeah. So. But anyway, my, my point is just that like a society that doesn't let me protect myself. Yeah. It says the agent of the state is allowed to protect himself, yeah. but you're not. And, and I can understand the argument, but we have the example. I have up on the screen a, a story mm. about uh, Eli Dickin, who just uh, prevented the uh, or attenuated <coughs> the, the <coughs> attempted mass shooting in a, mm-hmm. in a mall in Indiana in mm-hmm. 15 seconds. Carrying a, a nine millimeter pistol, yep. Hit out of eight out of ten rounds at yeah. forty yards, and this is a guy. He's obviously who, been practicing. He's been practicing, but he has. He's admitted he's got no formal training. He's never yep. been to a any any yeah. one of the plethora Ipsic of advanced or, something. or an Ipsic yeah, or a black yeah, badge yeah. or a Pat McNamara or a gun sight yeah, or yeah. Thunder Rancher. He's never been to any of that. He's just done it on his yep. own and probably with YouTube. Yep. And he's done better than cops than most cops ever yeah. do. There was uh, five or six years ago, a shooting in New York City, officer-involved shooting. Two officers were shooting at a fleeing criminal, NYPD officers. I think between the two of them, they fired, well, they got nine mil, or they have 40 kill clocks, but they fired about 26 rounds. Yep. Didn't hit the guy they were shooting at once. Hit about eight civilians. Yeah. There's lots, and they're... And you can... Yeah, you know, I'm sure the, that These happens. are not one-offs. You, you don't have yeah. to nutpick to find that, right? Yeah. Like, you could find... This guy... Yeah. You know, maybe this guy did exceedingly well, yeah. right? Then better than the average civilian. Maybe perhaps he's got a natural talent. I have to admit, I don't have a natural talent for marksmanship. I have to practice yeah. a lot to achieve the level I have, the level of medi- mediocrity I have. But I've shot the RCMP qualification test, and I can almost do that blindfolded, mm-hmm. right? 
so it's this part of part of the the bad faith is the narrative that mm-hmm. the agents of the state are well yeah. trained. Yeah. And you know, we have differently to say or to say made of finer clay. Or made of finer clay. And that's not to say that our say our own local police forces like the the, the EPS or the mm-hmm. Calgary Police Service aren't trained well or even the Alberta Sheriffs are trained well, but I know that the federal guys are not not trained well. <laughs> So, and I know some, some guys, some, some RCMP officers who are good shots because they're enthusiasts. Well, because, yeah, they practice on their own. Right. They're, own they're also, private. they're yeah. also private gun owners. Right. And that's, yeah. and that's, I think, uh, uh probably, uh, I don't know if that's a second order effect or third order effect, but as we get into the recruiting of people for the eight to become agents of the States and they become less qualified and less able to do their jobs mm-hmm. because they don't have a background. Right. Like if you look, you I look would at, say that's definitely a second order effect. Yeah, no and, doubt like about if it. you look at if you look at snipers, right? If, for, from the military perspective, all the really accomplished snipers in history come from a rural background yeah. where they grew up hunting. Yeah, and many of them grew up poor, so ammunition conservation mattered yeah. because bullets are expensive. Yeah, and and they were already basically trained in the principles of marksmanship. Yeah, they had to learn mm-hmm. the principles of marksmanship yeah. because if they didn't. Yeah, they they didn't. If they didn't practice the fundamentals, they went hungry. Yeah, they didn't get the harvest, right? Like Carl, Carlos Hathcock, mm-hmm. like had to feed his family with squirrels and stuff with a twenty-two, yeah. right? Yeah. Like he was, he grew up very poor, you know. And, and so, if you can't do that, and you know, and the government's like, well, we're not banning hunting rifles or yet. whatever, right? Okay, yet, yet. yeah, yet. exactly, yet, right? I mean, this is the good faith argument, yeah. Where when they say we're not trying to ban hunting rifles, I I have zero confidence in their good faith. No, yeah, me too. I think no, you're just not trying to ban them yet. Yeah. So on this point, I was like, again, social utility needing something. Let me then apply this dangerous concept. And again, once we let, once we open Pandora's box here. And we embrace this in our code. How do we apply this to global warming? Do you need to own your own automobile? That's a very good question. Do you need this house, Steve? Do I need this house? Or yeah, do you need it? Or could we, in the interests of society, forcibly... Take away your house. And put me in a bachelor pad? Yeah. Exactly. Make, yeah. yeah. Make you live in a little row house somewhere or share a, a three-bedroom apartment with, uh, you know, two other individuals. Yeah. Or force me to house two other individuals in yeah. here. Yeah. I mean, once we've already said that now what... It's not that you may do whatever you want to do so long as it's not prohibited... We're flipping that on its head and we're saying you may only do that which is not expressly prohibited. Right. Yeah, it's... That's the essential change we're talking about here. Well, yeah, it's, it's getting away from the principles of the common law. Yeah. From which we... Do you need to travel? Do you need that holiday in Mexico? Well, and they're bridging oh. the travel, right? Because uh, like, uh, with Arrive Can, I mean, uh, Arrive Can is probably a separate episode, but... We have art. The left has already revealed in the COVID crisis. They have a mania for rationing and internal passports and movement control. Mm-hmm. We are we are giving matches Trent, and looking gasoline very skeptical right now, but I'm, like, okay, I'm, I'm setting my watch uh, for 
yeah. set my alarm on my non-existent watch <laughs> for uh, 12 years from now. We, and we're going to reconvene mm-hmm. and play this episode. If we're allowed to. <laughs> and if we're allowed to, I think, allowed say, to. I think that'll say well, a lot about the state of where that conversation is. Well, there's, the other, there's the other, I mean, it's, again, separate episode. What's the, the Bill C-11? Yep. The, the media bill? Yep. Right? We may not be, right? Because yeah, we we're be not bilingual, yeah. right? Yeah. We might not meet Canadian content. Yeah. We might be, this might be scrubbed uh, from the internet. And Actuellement, on n'a pas de problème. Moi, je parle français. Euh, je suis bilingue. Alors voilà. Euh, je comprends un peu français. Il parle très lentement. That's about the limit of it. Je ne parle pas français. That's me, right? Okay, let's okay. Let's define bilingual for the purposes of this law. As long uh, as one of us speaks French fluently, <laughs> I don't think we can. Yeah, I think it's yeah. I think uh, was but it, what? Uh, we're not considered media either. No. Well, no, uh, no, 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 no. It changes According now. Basically, every, every, every uh, producer or comment content creator, for the purposes of the bill, the way the bill is written, for the, the and we're getting way off gun control here. But for the purposes of the bill, content mm-hmm. creators are basically uh, considered the same whether you're the CBC or whether you're us. Yes. Okay. So it is a very. I, I'm, I'm I mean, going to. It's a separate. It's a separate podcast. I'm betting your grammar and your spelling is better than <laughs> most content providers out there. Uh, not when I'm speaking. Anything, not when I'm like. Yeah. Not no. When anything you type like in this. there, I cannot believe the. Not when I'm four whiskeys into this, but anyway. <laughs> so, again, you don't see an issue with allowing government to to determine everything we do, and we already talked about services. So it's not just possessions, but services being based on what someone thinks you need. I, I don't have a problem with, and I'm going to take the word government out of it for a second, right? I don't mm-hmm. have a problem with uh, some sort of regulatory body uh, kind of setting minimum standards in, in, in all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Right, you know how my car is built. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know what can and cannot go into foods. Uh, just whatever you know. Just okay. I think some of the stuff should be defined. Its standards should be maintained. Right. Okay, whether, but whether that's so, government or not. But now, when we talk about objective versus subjective standards, right, right, and also, well, absolutely. <clears throat> so, a, fire, also, a firearms license. You're trying to zoom out to extreme. Like, I'm just answering one hundred questions. I'm answering your question. And I'm trying to pull you back down to a specific. Say, okay, okay, let's talk about the effects on the ground. Okay, so. So, yes, I we have established that, but, that before, government and regulation is a necessary evil. Okay. So. What extent? That's, that's the zillion dollar question. Every yeah, time, it right? sure okay. is. Now, before we get on to third order, and, mm-hmm. I, and I do want to, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say this, that, that I've kind of thrown up my flags in terms of what I think we're discussing mm. so far. Right. In answer to all the concepts that you guys have brought up, right? We are talking about responsible use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're talking about people defining that responsible use in terms of reasonability through their own perspective. Mm-hmm. Who needs to own a gun? Yeah. Right? And we are talking about it in a society that is driven by liability. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about it uh, within 
a society that right now is favoring gun control. We're talking about a society that is doing so in knee-jerk reactions to violent episodes, as you've yep. pointed out, that Mass aren't part that aren't, that aren't yep. part <clears throat> of you know, quote unquote, everyday crime, mm-hmm. but you know, the stuff yes. that makes the news and yep. horrifies and goes, this could have been me, this could yep. have been my kids. Yes. Right? And we're doing it within the context of a society that doesn't know what inconvenience is, let alone hardship, as I mm-hmm. keep going on and on. And right. Yeah. right? So these things are all adding up to the, to the discussion at hand. Right. Right? So that's my approach to it right now, before we can start getting into third order, fourth order. So when you're talking about, you're asking me that question, all I'm saying is, you know what? Gun ownership is a reasonable concept to me. Mm-hmm. Right? People are reasonably upset about these horrific things that are going on, right? And all that the gun control conversation is meant to do, for me, Mm -hmm. is find out what resolution there is to prevent these things from happening, knowing that we're not going to be able to present prevent 100 100% yeah, of yeah. these things from happening, right? But how can it's, we achieve the next best thing? That is the tightrope act that we are performing here, right? As a society, as three guys sitting around a microphone. I would I would humbly submit you are an outlier on your side of the fence and that the majority of people pushing for gun control or gun gun prohibition are not asking for those things. They are, they are using your stated objectives mm-hmm. as a smokescreen to get public disarmament. I, I, I see no evidence. I see no reason for that to occur. After the break, that's where I want to go. We, we get a break? Mm-hmm. Yep. Barbecue. Later, folks. <laughs> <laughs>